This is a CBC Podcast. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The World Health Organization has now confirmed what many epidemiologists have been saying for weeks. March 11th, 2020. The day the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus a pandemic. There are now more than 120,000 known cases in 114 countries. And suddenly this thing that seemed pretty concerning, but also very, very far away, had in the blink of an eye transformed all of our lives. Because all experts agree this is going to get worse. And actually put the production of this entire series into question. But as we would later learn, a global pandemic was just the first wave of monumental events that would change everything. Tonight, there is outrage over the case of this man who died after being restrained by police. And you'll see on this video, he repeatedly can be heard saying, quote, I can't breathe. George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man murdered by a Minneapolis police officer. His death caught on video. And while we'd seen black death of this horrific nature before, George Floyd's murder seemed to trigger people much differently. Or maybe it was just the last straw on the backs of Trayvon Martin and unarmed Sandra black Bland from Chicago, Rakia Boyd, Tony McDade, Breonna Taylor, Andrew Loku, 19-year-old Defonte Miller. Black, black, so maybe you're thinking, yeah, this has been a global reckoning around anti-blackness and police violence against black people, the likes of which we have never seen in our lifetimes. But maybe you're also thinking, what does any of that have to do with a podcast about hip hop? And I'd say a lot. For one, the protests coupled with the pandemic made this podcast seem pretty trivial to the team. In fact, we ended up postponing its release by a couple weeks because putting it out when we were initially supposed to just didn't feel right. But there's also this. That's me walking to the underground parking lot of my townhouse complex in the middle of the night. Why? Well, because thanks to the pandemic, I couldn't record the voiceovers for this podcast at the CBC studios. So I decided to do it in the backseat of my car parked in my underground garage. But because my garage gets noisy during the day with cars and people coming in and out, I had to record my vocals at night. And what's also relevant to the picture I'm painting is that my neighborhood is patrolled by police officers, particularly at night. So picture me, a black man dressed in a hoodie or a toque because the spring nights in Toronto are pretty cold. I got all my recording gear in my backpack and in my hand, I've got my microphone attached to a short stand. A mic and a stand that could easily pass for something else, maybe even something threatening, especially in the mind of a cop or someone who doesn't feel safe around black men late at night. Because now I'm a black man sitting in the backseat of a car in an underground residential parking lot in the middle of the night. And I got my phone in my hand so I can read my scripts. And I've got all my recording equipment out on the seat. Now, to me, I look like a radio producer MacGyvering his voiceovers for the culture. But to a cop or someone else, maybe I look like a black dude up to no good. Point is... Every second you've heard my voice in this podcast 
has been one second out of the many hours I spent in my car recording these vocals while praying to God. No cop, nobody saw me. And this was how I was feeling before George Floyd's murder. But hey, I made it through those nights and lo and behold, we finished the podcast. And if you're listening to this epilogue, there's a good chance you made it through all or most of this series. So we sincerely thank you. It's a podcast that me and the entire team are pretty proud of. But on a personal note, it's a series that's left me with way more questions than I had going into it. Traditional rap, when I say traditional rap, like rap without melody, is kind of like going instinct a bit. That's Drake in December of 2019, giving a rare long form interview to Rap Radar podcast hosts, Elliot Wilson and Brian B. Miller. And he's offering up a pretty sobering account of mainstream rap's future. In, in, a, in a mainstream space, I feel like, you know, the art of bars and, and just that traditional, you know, rap, the long verses, it's kind of going extinct because I think it is really hard to captivate the younger audience by just like rapping. It's kind of crazy to hear Drake, the biggest artist in hip hop and pop music today, saying that rap as we've known it might be extinct in the mainstream, especially when you consider how influential rap music is today and how much of Drake's success is rooted in those same traditions he's referring to. But his prognosis seems to align itself with the evolution of the singing rapper that we explored in our final episode. And this idea that music journalist Brianna Younger articulated around the flattening of black music by the powers that be as a way to more easily control and monetize black music. Because then you kind of get to rule both R&B and hip hop charts. You get to rule pop charts by nature of hip hop's power. And it just kind of, it's kind of sinister in a way. So what does it mean if Brianna and Drake are right? How might the loss of mainstream rap's traditional sensibilities affect what it can or cannot be in the future? And speaking of hip hop's future, working on the series also left me musing about my hometown of Toronto and what the future might hold for its rap legacy. Drake's success has clearly set a high bar for any local act hoping to make their mark in his shadow. But that said, we've seen Tory Lanez do just that south of the border. And over the last decade, Toronto's seen newer generations of homegrown acts carve out their own lanes on their own terms. Whether we're talking about Little Barrette, Burner Bands, Northside Benji, Sean Leon, Claremont II, Havaya Mighty, Phoenix Pagliacci, Keisha Fresh, or the many buzzing artists we lost way, way too soon to violence. I'm thinking about artists like Smoke Dog, 44-00 of Talib Twins, and more recently Houdini, who'd just come off a huge year thanks to buzzing viral songs like Backseat. It's also important to note that while the focus of this podcast's first episode was on Toronto's rap history, there's no question that The weekend's legacy as a singer intersects heavily with Toronto's mainstream hip-hop footprint. And it should go without saying that Abel and R&B's place in this conversation about Toronto is highly deserving of its own deep dive. 
All that said, the question I have for Toronto and most importantly, Canada, is one we broached in our first episode. And that is, will we ever see globally recognized black Canadian rap stars whose successes are thanks to the wholehearted support and nurturing of Canada's music industry? We've seen press assigned with Sony Music Canada and Jazz Cartier had a promising run with Universal Music Canada before things went south, literally and metaphorically. But it still remains to be seen just how serious Canada will get about investing in its black, homegrown hip hop talent from the ground up. My thoughts are also on the gender episode, which had me thinking that while many point to artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, Rhapsody and City Girls as signs that mainstream rap is getting its act together around gender inclusion, I don't know that things have actually changed much within mainstream rap's all boys club. Like, I can't think of one prominent mainstream rap dude I'd feel completely comfortable co-signing on the strength of his wokeness around gender politics, whether in their personal actions or their music. And even as I write this epilogue, J. Cole, one of mainstream rap's most prominent voices, has seemed to make my case via his highly troubling tone policing of Femsey No Name on the single Snow in the Bluff. Now I ain't no dummy to think I'm above criticism, so when I see something that's valid, I listen, but there's something about the Queen's tone that's bothering me. But in that same breath, I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised to see prominent rappers like Chance and Earl Sweatshirt call out J. Cole on what they perceived to be a misstep and also show a degree of solidarity with No Name. I mean, that's a scenario I can't recall ever really seeing from rappers of generations past. But is it a sign of progress? Ultimately, it still remains to be seen. But when it comes to the biggest question this podcast has left me with, given the ground we covered and the moment we made this podcast in, I can't help but bring it back to this. George Floyd should not be among the deceased. That's the Reverend Al Sharpton delivering George Floyd's eulogy. He did not die of common health conditions. He died of a common American criminal justice malfunction. And during that eulogy, Reverend Sharpton tied George Floyd's death to America's history of slavery and white supremacy. George Floyd's story has been the story of black folks because ever since 401 years ago, the reason we could never be who we wanted and dreamed to be in is you kept your knee on our neck. And then he said this. What happened to Floyd happens every day in this country, in education, in health services, and in every area of American life. It's time for us to stand up in George's name and say, get your knee off our necks. Now, a podcast looking at a bit of the history of black music in the United States and Canada might seem to some like a frivolous association to be making here, but to me, it's all tied up in the same historic issues of anti-blackness and institutional racism. Because when it comes to black music history, the fight for space to document, to unpack, to ponder, to celebrate that music and history 
has felt to many black musicians and black journalists, black producers like myself, like a monumental knee on our necks. I mean, we used Drake as a gateway to explore the history of hip hop and black music, not because we wanted to, but because, like I said in the prologue, it seemed to be the only way we could get to the deeper, historically undervalued black music history we actually wanted to cover. The black music history myself, my colleagues, and many elders before us have been fighting for space to tell our entire careers. When will we be able to pitch pieces on that black history without having to find some way to tie it to Drake or to The Weeknd, or without being bombarded with coded language that prioritizes the needs of white audiences over black ones? Will there be more podcasts, more programming like this on the horizon? more deeper dives into rap and black music's contemporary past, present, and future. I really hope so, because there's so much more history to be unpacked, examined, and celebrated in black culture. And with this epilogue and rant coming to an end, maybe, just maybe, now you'll get why this was never, ever a Drake podcast. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.